Freaking g'day and welcome to Oceanic Gaming Radio. This is episode 72. Uh, it is the 18th of the 9th, 2023. My name is Captain Perth, coming to you live uh, on twitch.tv slash Oceanic Gaming Radio, 7 p.m. Australian, where's the standard time? You can join us here live as we record this. Uh, welcome if you're listening via podcast and welcome if you're watching live. Uh, Alongside me, as always, Pavlova Face, and joining us, a very, very special hey, guest, Adrian. Welcome, mate. Welcome to the welcome to the potty. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Oh, mate. Thank you for coming on down, filling Grizz's shoes. Uh, he just got off his flight, and I believe he hasn't slept for twenty-seven hours. Uh, which sounds like I don't Grizzler. know. Yeah, but also, I didn't even. Uh, that's that's you shouldn't be allowed to do that. That should be illegal. Um, it's a knockout safety thing for sure. Yeah, so I don't know how that is, uh, how that worked, how that eventuated, but uh, he's uh, done it's it. It's also he's... known as a regular Saturday, um, regular Saturday. <laughs> 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 I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I don't. I believe there's a few few extra hours you're dealing with there, Pav, for a full day. But you know, <laughs> yeah. anyways. Uh, but yeah, Pav, how you been, mate? What's been happening? Doing good, Capo. Um, being pretty relaxed. No big ones in a couple of weeks. Uh, just oh enjoying goodness. the downtime. Uh, I say that knowing well and truly that there's some huge ones coming up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we You've got, got some seriously big shit happening. Yeah, big events. Um, Perth Games Fest is happening this Saturday at, in Fremantle, if you're around. Yeah. At, at Very Durham. exciting. And so uh, give, us a, give us a rundown of what that is, mate. Like, um, you yeah. know, what's the go? So it, it's actually... Um, uh, games Perth Games Week as well. So in the lead up this entire week, there's going to be uh, lots of stuff happening around the city and in Frio and uh, doing stuff with like pretty high profile uh, developers, uh, all leading to Saturday, which will be Perth Games Fest, where it's uh, kind of like a little expo uh, highlighting a lot of Perth indie developers, both mainly focusing on video games, but there will definitely be some board games and other cool stuff hanging out there as well. So Games uh, Media. Yeah, games mini, a bunch of vendors as well. All bunch of people like in the scene should be good. I'm excited. Sweet, dude. Well, is do you know like uh, what large kind of devs are popping their head in? Like any any anyone to sort of write home oh, about? You're throwing you. Uh, uh, look, <laughs> yeah. Here uh, comes the fucking Trans Perth fucking <laughs> number three. I have <laughs> stuck uh, under yeah. <laughs> halfway under the bus right now. Um, yeah. No, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw someone from Devolver. Like, um, oh, cool. Like some actual, actually, like prominent um, industry. Large. Like, yeah. That's some, really cool, man. People coming down for like talks and discussions and workshops, all that Rad. sort of stuff. Uh, I don't quote me on the Devolver one, but there are people at that at that level. Definitely. That level of, of development. <clears throat> yeah, that's yeah. cool, man. I, I might just see how we're looking Saturday. I don't think we've got an awful lot on, uh, but that sounds really cool, actually. Yeah. Best part yeah. it is, best part is it's a $10 uh, ticket, so um, super affordable. And, uh, Dude. Should be good. Mate, that's a that's a bloody um, beef gravy roll. <laughs> you know, it's a bargain. Uh, very nice. And what, uh, what else have you got on your horizon? Have you got some oh, other we got we got stuff? packs coming up in a couple of weeks' time, uh, and yeah. as well, I'm not sure yet, but I think I might be um, 
heading over to Sydney for IEM as well. So, dude, really? Uh, yeah. Is that CSGO? That is CSGO. So, uh, watch wow. the space. I might have more to tell you about that next week. Pav is going pro. I might have more to tell you about that next week. (laughs) (laughs) No contracts being signed yet, so I don't want to talk about it. Still working out the finer details, such as your MMR. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what that means. (laughs) Oh, nice one, mate. And, well, Adrian, mate, first time on the show, you're – uh, you're a, an excellent friend of myself and, and Grizz's, and it's great to have you here. But, you know, give us a bit of a rundown about yourself, mate, and, you know, your gaming background, you know, what you what you like, what you don't like. Okay. Uh, all right. My name's Adrian. I've been gaming for quite some time. Yeah. Um, I think the first game I played was Alex the Kid on oh. the Sega Master System, you know, when it yeah. came, you wouldn't put, put a cartridge in. Free yeah. game. Clock Bubble Bubble with my mum. That was pretty good. Dude, nice. Uh, That's and then rad. pretty much, yeah, he's been playing games pretty much ever since. Yeah. Uh, what am I into? I like RPGs the most. Uh, big RPG pl- gamer, you know, started with your secret of manners, you know, your secrets oh, yeah. ever more. Yeah. Classic, you know, Super Nintendo secrets. RPGs. Uh, what else? That's about it, really. RPGs, a bit of like first person shooters, but nothing crazy. Yeah. You've carried that RPG flavor into the rest of your output yeah, as well. I think so. Yeah, I think it's definitely changed the way that I interact with the world. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, I mean, you fucking <laughs> go into a <laughs> go into a job interview and you fucking rolling dice, and the boss yeah, is like, yeah, what, yeah. "What the fuck is this guy I'll, doing?" I'll, yeah, I'll intimidate this guy. I reckon. <laughs> I'll intimidate him. You will give me the job. He's like, "No, I won't get out of my oh, office." Okay, that's fair enough. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, critical one. That's okay. Yeah, nice one, mate. That's brilliant. And well, mate, what did your weekend look like? What did you have happen? What was going oh, on? There? Well, at the moment, um, I just started teaching English teaching, so yep. my free time is pretty much evaporated. Yep. Um, so I've been just doing a lot of marking, just trying to like get in a couple of hours. Boulders go, Boulders go three when I can. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Taking Love it. taking you know taking stuff out of the sleep bucket. As opposed to the leisure bucket yeah. or the work bucket, so you yeah, know, I'm paying for that. But it's funny how your life becomes a series of buckets where you're just trading water in between them, and then it's always you know, sleep. You know, it's always sleep yeah. for me. I think, yeah, so yeah. Like, even though it's yeah. obviously the most important, yeah, it is the yeah. one that I look to first. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Got last week of term, so just got to get about four more days to go, and then I'm just going to like binge armored core i reckon till my eyes bleed oh dude nice yeah i'm well we can probably have a bit of a better chat about that during uh during the old uh how's your gaming going but uh armored core's looking i don't know i don't know if i don't know if it's my game per se but i think i'll probably eventually give it a crack at some point it does seem like it's in well i was i was watching a youtube video of how people have just clearly defined the pvp meta into just running yeah. shotguns yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's it yeah, um, for, for me those are always a weird addition to FromSoft games I, I never engage with them the multiplayer the pvp side yeah. yeah yeah i'm the same i never do um, pvp because i just hate it because yeah I just, the, I, I, the amount of cheese that's involved is you know it's, it's ridiculous you know it's, yeah i just want to wander around yeah i want to want to experience the the loathsome grim dark fantasy world you know yeah 
That's not it. the not the stupid red phantoms <laughs> running around with like you know freaking pizza cutter wheels hanging off them. Um, but yeah, yeah, nice one, mate. Freaking excellent. Well, you know, my weekend was pretty um, pretty meager. Uh, we oh, actually, I tell you what, we did do um, myself and my wife Mia. We had our first actual date uh, since Ted was born, so that's almost a year, uh, and that was delightful. Absolutely delightful. Much needed. Very yeah, warranted. Years a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's ex- it's exceptionally dates. long time. Yeah. yeah. So basically, a year since um, we've both been able to eat dinner at the same time, which oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's something you just take for granted. Um, but yeah, it was really good. We we did an escape room, which we were insanely close to finishing, but we didn't quite finish it at the end, and we just got a you know got a little bit hot under the collar towards as the the timer was ticking down. Yeah, the time pressure. Yeah, the time pressure was rough, and we just couldn't quite quite align the couple of clues we had and we we're thinking about it in the wrong wrong way and but uh, it was a it was a shitload of fun so that was it was like a a wizard themed um thing it's one thing that i've noticed about uh just escape rooms is 50 percent of all escape rooms have a chessboard as a part of the puzzle <laughs> <laughs> it's like Guys, come on. Checkers, yeah. anything Check, else. Yeah. You, gotta, you, Boggle, know, you know? Yeah, yeah. Prime me for a yeah. yeah, if I can bop it, you know, like, actually, let's, yeah, let's bop, go, you know. Yeah, that'd be a cracker. <laughs> yeah, sorry, actually, yeah, absolutely. But, the, you know, there's some good puzzles in there. There was, um, well, I don't want to give it too much away in case people do it, but there, there was this one where there was these things on the wall and you'd take a tablet off and the tablet, as you took it off the wall, it would make a certain noise and it would imply which tablet should go in that space. So you're kind of flipping these tablets around. And, um, but, yeah, it was, it was really good. And then we we also went to uh, one of the local pubs down the road from the uh, the escape room we we did and just had a pizza and a couple of pints on the river. It was freaking gorgeous. So, um, so that was good. And, and did another zoo day with Ted, which was great the next day. So, you know, solid... Back weekend yeah it was it was it was actually pretty packed so um but yeah so there you go now look let's freaking dive straight into it uh as always we we built out the house rules so uh if you were listening uh, from the beginning you'd know that we record this bad boy live uh, on twitch.tv slash oceanic gaming radio uh, from 7 p.m australian western standard time uh and you can also listen to this on any of your favorite podcasting platforms spotify be it Apple iTunes, you know, you you know, you you pick your poison. We'll 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 pump it there. So uh, you may even notice if you're listening on certain uh, certain platforms, you're hearing ads now. So uh, yeah, we do it. We've pulled a bit of a unity on you, and uh, <laughs> that's part of the part of the unsung agreement without your uh, consent. So yeah, if you're hearing ads, sorry, but we're gonna fucking monetize this bad boy, okay? At the cost of all of our relationships. So. So there you go. Uh, now, uh, speaking about monetization, just want to say a big thank you to our wonderful Patreons. Uh, they are the uh, the legends that come out every month and uh, drop five five big ones in our bank account each. Uh, and they are the following: uh, Sukai, Moosey, Caging Runt, Sergeant Paul, Lee GD, J Libs, Brendan, Dan, Fantastic, and Strops. Freaking. Legendary. Thank you very much. Really appreciate uh, your continued patronage uh, in these times of uh, economic need and uh, also economic greed, <laughs> which we'll get more into very shortly. Uh, but yeah, so there you go. Now, 
starting off with the quest log. Got a pretty uh, pretty sizable quest log today. Uh, three main topics. Uh, we'll sort of uh, finish off with the uh, PlayStation play, State of Play and the Nintendo Direct. But to start us off today, uh, Unity has introduced some incredibly controversial new pricing structure policies uh, in the last week. And boy, has it generated some heat on the social medias, dear Lord. Uh, Essentially, if you're not in the know, uh, video games are made on video game engines. And one of those popular engines is Unity. Uh, Unity kind of uh, came about, uh, I don't don't know how old the actual engine itself is, but it kind of was a bit of an underdog uh, uh, game engine for a little while there and garnered quite a significant following. And uh, ever since it's kind of uh, etched itself sort of as probably the, the, the second slash first uh, most used game engine, I would have thought, uh, alongside the Unreal Engine. So I managed, managed to muscle its way in there, and it's incredibly popular. A lot of uh, video games are uh, are made on the Unreal, uh, sorry, the Unity Engine. Now, originally, the pricing structure for Unity was a revenue split where you'd reached a certain amount of capital raised, and then you'd have a certain amount of capital shared with the parent company uh, that has created the Unity game engine. Uh, And yeah, anyway, so what they've done since uh, is they've announced some pretty dramatic price changes. And the thing that kind of underpins the majority of this is a thing called uh, an install, a Unity runtime cost which it's kind of like, well, every time someone installs a game that is made with Unity, the developer needs to pay about, well, depending on the, the pricing structure, 20 cents or so. Uh, is that that's kind of your uh, your your hot take on it, Adrian, roughly in terms of... Uh... Yeah, from um, yeah, what I've sort of looked at, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty much essentially correct. I think one thing that I thought was interesting was that it would be uh, for the, in the case of like your um, streaming like game services like Xbox Games Pass, um, it's paid by the distributor. Yeah, yeah. So for example, Microsoft, etc. Uh, yeah. But so one thing to note about this is Unity is was you know, it is split into three major streams, and those are dependent on the license that you use as the developer. So you got your personal, pro, and enterprise, and those all cost X amount of dollars to maintain a, a license for. Uh, and each one of those different uh, license types incurs a different threshold, which uh, which is when the the install fee essentially uh, comes into into action. Uh, so, for example, on the personal uh, tier of Unity, uh, which a lot of indie developers and stuff are on, as soon as you make two hundred thousand um, dollars or have two hundred thousand installs, uh, you then start paying twenty cents per install. Uh, on Pro, you need to make one million dollars or have one million installs, and the same happens. Uh, except their price tiering is a little bit different, a little bit cheaper. Uh, and then the same for Unity Enterprise. Uh, now, just to give you an idea, it, so for the personal 
license, the cheapest license you can buy as a developer. So that's the 20 cents per install. Depending on the installs over the threshold, and this is probably going to go over a lot of people's heads because it went over mine, but uh, there's different tiering in terms of what you pay per install for the other two license types for Unity. So I think the lowest for Pro is 15 cents per install or as low as 2 cents per install. And for Enterprise, it's at 12.5 cents per install and as low as 1 cents per install, depending on how many installs you have over another threshold. Uh, And they've been really, really kind uh, to the developers. They've also sort of marked emerging markets as a different rate. So those are third world countries who install your video game. Uh, they will charge you a much lower fee for those those countries because I guess they just install a bunch of shit. I'm not really too sure what the... I, I'm imagining maybe the idea there is that they, you know, they're like less likely to spend money on your platform. So uh, part you of don't it, have to pay as much. Part of it also meet, might be the sort of the weakness of their currency versus the US dollar. Yeah, good point, actually. So, yeah. You know, it's yeah. just something I'm thinking now um, because I know for, for like in terms of like Steam games and stuff, if you use a, a VPN or do any of that kind of, you can get some um, quite large sort of discounts on games, you know, because it's the opposite of the Australia tax, right? Ah, you know, yes, good point. We pay yeah. a lot, even though, you know, our currency isn't that bad against the US, but yet, you know, Diablo 4 cost me 120 bucks or something. Yeah, yeah, and that's a really good point because I mean, here in Australia, we do tend to have you know a significant amount of dollars required to purchase video games, which is kind of brutal. But um, I suppose they're kind of you know kind of working that in there. But uh, but yeah, I think a few things to note: uh, demos uh, apparently, according to Unity, won't be will be exempt from this. Uh, as so too will bundles, but you'll have to tell. Uh, Unity when, when you're bundling video games. Um, so that's like your hun- humble bundles and stuff like that. Uh, but I mean, it, you know, like you said before, Adrian, like <laughs> the fact that they are now going to have, uh, you know, Microsoft footing the bill for a developer having their game on Game Pass if they chose to develop a video game uh, on Unity seems kind of shit because, I mean, I mean, if I was Microsoft, I'd be like, well, I don't really want to do that, firstly. Yeah, it's uh, a um, it's an interesting one, um, and I think it, it is in part this decision is in part due to like the increase of those kind of like uh, ways of distribu- distributing games, Xbox Games Pass, your yeah, PlayStation yeah. Plus, and so on. Um, but I also think just from having a bit of a look around, I think they're trying to get a chunk of the money on free to play games. Absolutely. It seems very much like that early tier of pricing, you know, the 20 cents per install uh, and, you know, the license uh, license types is they're aiming for these, uh, these mobile games that, uh, you know, they're free to play and, and do a shitload through microtransactions and whatnot versus um, sold copies, I guess. Uh, and the revenue share kind of being avoided. Um, but the problem is uh, in that same tier, unfortunately, uh, indie developers seem to be getting engulfed in this as well because the constraints around the pricing and the license types 
affects them as well. So all of a sudden they're up for potentially uh, 20 cents per install. And it's important to note that these changes uh, were firstly insanely poorly communicated uh, and just kind of were dropped on developers. But on top of that, uh, these price changes are going to be retrospective in the sense that uh, video games that currently use the uh, the Unity engine will not be exempt from these price changes from the 1st of January or something like that, 2024, next year, you will have to begin paying if you meet the requirements for the threshold, which I don't know. Do you, how, do you, how do you think about – what do you think about, uh, yeah, what, about that? Well, it's an interesting thing because the install threshold is for lifetime. So exactly. if you are one of these established games, you've crossed that, you know, immediately, right? But the exactly revenue right. threshold is the last twelve revenue threshold is the last twelve months, and I think it's like um, done on a monthly basis. So correct, yeah. So I mean, almost so for example, be paying this fee. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're a well-established game that you know managed to. Um, you know, I'm thinking of like Cult of the Lamb and stuff like that. You had quite a spike in popularity. Uh, you know, they've almost certainly sort of made that threshold in both senses. Uh, and they're going to all of a sudden have this, uh, you know, debt that they had no idea that they were going to have to pay all of a sudden, which just seems insanely brutal. But I think at the same time, maybe it doesn't seem that brutal because of the kind of people that are leading unity at the moment I, I actually had no idea about the fact that john riccatello who is used to be the ex-ceo of ea games uh is the current ceo of unity and i mean he is best known for uh suggesting that he'd love to see video gamers pay to reload their gun uh in call of duty etc uh, and just has always been on the high horse for essentially pumping people for utilizing microtransactions. He even went as far to say that he thought that indie game developers were fucking stupid, literal words, uh, because they weren't utilizing microtransactions uh, as he saw fit. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's a, um, it's an interesting one uh, because... I don't think even through this uh, sort of model that they've picked up, are they going to have access to those microtransactions of, you know, the the games that use them? But no. One, one thing I sort of wanted to say that I sort of when I looked at this, I compared it basically to the only other sort of uh, free revenue sharing model that I could see, like Unreal Engine. Right? Yep. You can use Unreal Engine for free until you get $1 million in gross revenue. Yeah. And when that happens, you have to pay 5% royalty on that amount. So it works out to be like 50 grand. So that's yeah. 5% of your gross revenue, right? But yeah. let's say using Unity's uh, system that they've got, um, you're a unipersonal because you're a small developer and you make a game that uh, you sell for $3 on the Apple Store or Google yeah. Play. Or whatever reasonable that, yeah reasonable that actually works out to be 15 cents five percent five percent revenue share if you use if you would use unreal's en engine would cost yep. you 15 cents on that gross revenue right yeah so if you're actually going through unity it's worse for you the flat 20 percent install is actually you're actually worse off than the five percent 
um, revenue sharing model. Yeah, which would make, I mean, that makes complete sense, right? Because you're bridging both systems at that point as well. And then, you know, you, Unity probably would argue that, um, oh, well, yeah, but it's only after your X number of downloads. But I mean, that's still, you know, that could be life shattering, honestly. Yeah. Uh, well, that's just, <laughs> you know, that makes you feel like uh, if you're making something cheap, you're most likely going to use Unity for it because it doesn't necessarily cost you money up front. And if you know you're selling some mobile game that's like three dollars, and people are just grabbing it because it's three dollars, right? It's almost a microtransaction yep. in itself. And your yeah. Unity, and you're taking over five percent of that every time. It adds up. Oh, absolutely. I, did, I looked at some um, numbers, right? Because I was interested to sort of see like what are some big Unity uh, games. Among Us is one of them. Yeah, right? huge. Um, yeah. And just based on its peak. Uh, amount of daily active players, right? Thinking that that could, you know, account for the install base. 60 million daily active players in 2020. So using um, uh, using the um, sorry, using the Unity's fee, for example, if you know this had come out then, it works out like 12 million dollars or something like that. It's so like an outrageous amount. Same yeah, thing. It's a significant um, portion. Genshin Impact, right? Um, what did I find out for that? So, yeah. So I think you, Genshin's would be your major target, right? Or at least yeah, it seems 100%. that way based on the way that this is all structured. Because I think those those developers seem to be avoiding the majority of revenue share because a lot of it's done through uh, microtransactions, et cetera. Yeah, 100%. And so that's not necessarily counting towards the revenue of that product, I assume, because yeah. it's not the revenue of Genshin Impact. It's the revenue of the stuff you're buying or selling for Genshin Impact. Yes, yes. So I like, think there's loopholes that they're finding, basically. Yeah, so, and I, yeah. so I think that's what's motivating this. I think Absolutely. it's trying to make a grab at, at free-to-play games that use microtransactions to make their money as opposed to, like, product costs. Yeah. Now, one thing to note, and again, this is why it kind of sucks for indie developers, is, is that... Uh, you know how how does Unity ensure that every one of those installs isn't fraudulent? Isn't a um, you know I heard the term install terrorism? Uh, isn't some form of install terrorism being uh, subjected upon uh, a developer who maybe is you know undergoing some kind of hate related uh, you know install fest for one of their games? Uh, there's no real sort of suggestion by unity that they have a solid way of doing it they do re sort of seem to think that they have some kind of proprietary software that they'll be using to uh eliminate uh fraudulent pirated copy uh installs from your list of uh you know uh installs overall but i mean you know i mean frankly based on the way that uh unity uh announced this news uh the and the little uh, effort they took in preparing and communicating this news to their developers properly uh i wouldn't trust anything they fucking say especially if they're the one charging me the bill at the end of the day right like oh, I mean, yeah and that's the thing it's like well when does that happen is it after you give them the money or is it before you give them the money yeah exactly and how you got to give them the money and then ask for some of it back that's a lot more difficult Exactly. And how do you accurately know yourself that the installs are non-fraudulent, right? There I mean, are, you yeah. Probably I mean, have, you know, there's a lot of unanswered late, questions. Exactly I, right. I would say even uh, another thing I thought I, just, I was thinking about is like, 
if you're making these kind of indie games with um, Unity and you're going to be the target of sort of like uh, install terrorism or whatever it's called because, you know, for whatever reason, you have like a woman as a main character that upsets a certain yeah. subset of the internet. It's more likely to happen to an independent game because exactly. independent developers are the ones that take chances, right? Whereas yeah. your AAAs, they're doing it straight down the line because yeah. they've got shareholders waiting for it. So it's yeah. even more of a risk for the kind oh. of people that would use Unity. Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, overall, like I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's hard to kind of watch because I mean, me personally, I, I preferred Unity, you know, I, I've dabbled in games dev and, and I really liked Unity as a, just an ecosystem for developing, developing games. And I preferred using C Sharp uh, as the main programming language over using something like C++ because I just, you know, C++ is just a little bit cumbersome to me. Uh, so Unity was like a great kind of option for me. Uh, and I feel like now I'm just completely checked out. I don't want anything to do with it now. In fact, I over the weekend, I deleted Unity off my computer, computer and uh, spooled up Unreal because I was like, well, <laughs> you know, at least... That's fairly, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, stable in terms of their pricing policy, as far as we're aware. I mean, anyone can probably make something along these lines and do something along these lines. But uh, ultimately, yeah, I, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of developers uh, shifting away from Unity because, I mean, these prices, I mean, realistically are, are pretty egregious. Uh, and again, you know, it seems pretty risky going with a business that's happy to drop a bomb on their community of developers uh, so yeah, suddenly it, like this. It sort of seems um, it's a strange one because one of the big sort of draw cards, I think, for Unity was the fact you could just use it, right? If you're messing around, you know, sort of dabbling in game development, you could use it. And if you're a, a, someone who was like, reasonably skilled at it and you put together a small team you could use it and so removing that from unity um is that you know it's going to destroy that kind of community absolutely which is what you want for a game engine but um i think i think that's what these game engines also are built upon is 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 community usage and you know tutorials and you know building an ecosystem i mean otherwise you know, what's the the price of admission for learning is so much higher because you don't have community resources uh, and, and a community of people that are willing to help you. I mean, if you think about, uh, you know, starting any new hobby, um, having a Reddit or something along those lines where people are, you know, offering suggestions for how to do X, Y, Z for beginners or wherever else, that's really important for onboarding, you know, new hobbyists. But... You know, if all of a sudden you've got these people that don't want anything to do with a with an engine, what's 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 uh, keeping people utilizing your engine? I think that's one thing that maybe Unity uh, ultimately, I think, might be overestimating is their ability to withhold uh, their developers utilizing their engine. I think there are a fair few developers that are. Uh, locked to their projects at the moment and uh and it's super fucked for them well i mean i but, think about one that's pretty close to home um hollow knight silk song yeah good point that's yeah um, 
hasn't been released yet. It's been delayed a bunch of times. And Team Cherry, you know, are the kind of people because they're a small team. Yeah. Like, well, we'll just release it when it's done. You know. Yeah. Because I don't have shareholders yep. breathing down the neck or, a, um, you know, a, a publisher saying no, we need it this quarter. Yep. But for them now, they have a real time limit because yep. um, Hollow Knight Silk Song is going to be pretty big, I reckon. I mean, yep. I'm definitely going to buy it day one. Yep. And the original Hollow Knight, I'm just looking. It's twenty cents. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> here you go. Yeah, don't spend it all at once. Um, uh, what am I looking at? Hollow Knight sales. What's what? One million two two thousand, one point two million copies. So that's a significant by, amount by, in a year, right? By twenty nine, yeah. it has sold two point eight million. So this yeah. is, well, I guess, I would say Hollow Knight really is the kind of textbook example of like a. A, a developer that's not really a, a big developer. I think what have they got three people on staff that are going to be yeah. absolutely smashed by this unity change. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, that that's ultimately the huge thing I'm seeing on a lot of, you know, developer tweet Twitters and, and whatnot is, you know, there is a lot of outcry for um, unity to backpedal a lot of these changes uh, there's even developers saying that they have uh, completely swiveled and gone, okay, we need to import into another engine and just get off Unity because we, you know, and but not every developer is going to be able to make that change. You know, uh, there's there's A, technical limitations uh, for whatever you're building. B, there might also be a technical knowledge limitation for your developers and being able to get that out of that project. But I think the thing that sucks the most is probably some of these smaller developers. I mean, you know, games like uh, Hollow Knight, I mean, they take years and years to create, right? And now all of a sudden you go, well, fuck, you know, if you're maybe a year away from release, let's just say, and you've put four years in already, you know, yeah, you that's can't a horrific it. amount of time. How, How do you, you wind that yeah, back? Where are you going to find, even if it takes you half as long to redevelop or port the game or whatever, where are you going to find two more years of wages, you know, and exactly and all that yeah. stuff? You're not going to, yeah. it's not going to be in the business model. Yeah, exactly. No way. And that's the thing. So I think like ultimately, you know, they are holding their, <laughs> their cohort hostage and it's kind of gross just kind of seeing a lot of the bigger AAA developers just getting a bit of a free ride because they're paying um, a significant amount more for a bigger, a better license. Uh, I, I just think that's completely fucked. Uh, I, yeah, I just I, wish that they could figure out a better way to target some of these free-to-play markets and whether that be through, I don't know, some new fork of Unity that mobile needs to use. Yeah, but even what still, it it's like, um, you know, I'd say like, yeah, Genshin Impact, right? That it would be it would represent an insane amount of money for Unity, right? If you look yes, at absolutely, uh, they're there. So, like, uh, if you're looking at the the minimum, right? Zero point um, zero one, zero point one cents per install, right? Point one cent for in, zero one cent for install. Sorry, um, they're still going to make them on their install base. I was looking at it. They're still going to make the one million dollars three hundred one million three hundred ninety five thousand dollars, right? That's total installs of uh, Genshin Impact. But the last one, it's like $27 million, which is outrageous. And even yeah, it was, I was thinking possibly the, the purpose of doing this is trying to push these big developers from your Unity Plus and Unity Personal, pushing them up to the top subscription. 
because they know that the, um, I think there's like, I was reading, there's about 700 developers that work on Genshin. So if you get them all wow. to um, Unity Enterprise or Unity Pro, I think that works out to be $1.2 million a year, right? And that's every year coming in, as long as they're developing Genshin. So yeah. part of this might be, yeah, trying shifting, to, them. shifting people up, up a tier. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, Unity hasn't been doing particularly well, and that's something that uh, you know a lot of people are pretty quick to point out is that uh, Unity's uh, you know finances have been pretty pretty garbage, and they've they've kind of been uh, bleeding money uh, for all kinds of reasons. I mean, the economy's not all that crash hot, regardless for a lot of uh, different sectors at the moment, but. Uh, Unity seems to be suffering particularly poorly. Um, and a lot of people are also suggesting that maybe Unity might be a bit bloated with its staff count, for example. But, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately it is just interesting to see this as an approach because, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day. It was like I was cooking dinner and I was like, imagine if every time I cooked the same dish, I had to pay someone 20 cents to use that recipe. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. You, I mean, that's, that's the world they want. Right? Yeah, exactly. It just makes it, it's fucking crazy. It's absolutely bonkers. And I'm doing all the work. I just have the rules on how to make yeah, it. Yeah. Like, you know, like that's ultimately what it is. And this is a very similar approach. Like, uh, and 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 if you think about what is actually happening, you know, you are installing a runtime on your device. Unity doesn't spend any money, any energy, nothing for you to physically install that on your device. You, you, you're, you're paying the power bill for your CPU to do that particular task. So like the whole idea of you paying for that, just I understand it from a, a like you were using our thing, but it, it just from a actual what is happening in that moment and what you're actually paying for just fucking breaks my mind and it's just i find it so horrible but yeah, yeah. i think ultimately I've, i i just find this terrible for for indie developers and even things like you know games preservation you know like what's what's going to be keeping um you know people wanting to maintain storefronts for video games you know well after their their um their heyday if they're knowing that they're just going to have to have a trickling fee trailing off this this you know yeah. whatever game it is over That's time because it, it's not necessarily those games aren't necessarily pulling people into the service but exactly available on the service and yeah i mean that's like a, a probably a, it's, a, it's a it's a big conversation that concept of what we have now of like um how do you keep games they're all on like uh services where you don't like steam you don't technically own the game they just let you use a license um yeah and one of them, one is an interesting one. I don't know if you guys have played that Obsidian RPG Alpha Protocol. No, I don't think I did. It was a very cool, very weird game in which you played like a spy and you're sort of gone around, you know, doing missions and whatever. But in true Obsidian style, uh, it had this insane amount of branching pathways, depending on where you went, depending on who you talked to, who you allied with, who you killed. Um, really quite cool. It didn't do very well because it was quite buggy, uh, but it's probably one of the my favorite games, but you can't yep. buy it anymore. Ah, the okay. rights are owned by some uh, company. It's similar to, I don't know if you guys remember, System Shock 2 wasn't yep. distributed for ages because it was owned by some sort of like investment banking company. Oh, oh yeah. It, was, it wasn't just, Vivendi or something like that, was it? No, it was like, like, like an actual company that... Um, 
maybe like a real estate company or something. Just Someone bought out the rights weird. for yeah, it. Yeah, somehow and... got it. Oh, um, and they had no, obviously no interest in republishing this game. You should have to answer like a 50-page games <laughs> trivia um, quiz to own any sort of game stock or have any kind of fucking input on video games in general. At the in very least, you should have to any percent of the game. <laughs> At the very yes. least. Yeah, At a bit of them. But yeah, yeah. it's like it's quite a, quite a cool game. And I'd, I'd urge anyone, if you can find a copy to play it, I think you can get some physical copies for Xbox. Um, it was doing some pretty cool stuff. I think I played it through about maybe four or five times, each time different. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you can't buy it anymore. You can't like purchase it like on license. I've yeah. got it on my Steam account, but it does no longer exist digitally. Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of thing that you might see more and more of, especially if it's a Unity-based game or if other, um, you know, I mean, what if Unreal decides to take a, a sidestep and do something similar to this? I don't think they will because I think it would be a poor move. But what if they did, right? Like, you know, you're going to start seeing these games just leaving shop fronts or, you know, I mean, uh, speaking again about Cold of the Lamb, the developers jokingly, albeit, but they did suggest that they might be deleting their game off of storefronts because why would they want to keep it up, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, you've had a lot of different developers come out. The Among Us guys said, you know, have have obviously voiced their criticisms um, quite dramatically. Uh, even had, uh, you know, Mega Crit, who are the guys that do, um, uh, what do you call it, Slay the Spire, uh, come out and say that they're working on a a new project at the moment, and they they committed a lot of resources to unity for this next project and now they're just like well fuck yeah <laughs> what, do we, what do we do like this is insane like this is a risk that we weren't ready to take um it is, i think i think it's important to like sort of acknowledge that like slay the spire incredible indie game that does something different right like yeah. to, uh, you know i never really played a game like slay the spire until i played 400 hours of it or yeah. whatever but the other thing that i just looking up here now out of wilds that was made using the unity engine and you know, I'm not out of worlds or whatever the Bethesda one. No, out the, of wilds, the good one. You know, where yeah. you're like in a time loop, which is honestly yeah. one of the best games I've ever played. Absolutely, in one of the best for me as well. Just, it's just, yeah, you got to play it. But yeah, those kind of games wouldn't be made for you know, with using like a AAA or a AAA sort of development engine because they're kind of weird. It's no. persons, weird ideas. And yep. then they use this engine to create it. And so I guess Unity has to decide, like, which side of the fence does it want to be on? Well, that's the thing. And I, I really do feel like they have kind of drawn their line in the sand quite dramatically. And I think indie developers are on the other side. And I just don't think they give a shit. Um, yeah. But I feel like another engine will come up and, and do what the what Unity used to do, right? Yeah. You know, because and I think that engine is called Godot. I don't know if you've yeah, heard of Godot. I was having a bit of a look at that. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know too much about it. But like, if you look at the when uh, Unity was developed, it was designed to democratize game development, right? Yeah, it was meant to make it accessible to everybody, and that was in what two thousand and five, two thousand and six. Sounds about right. Two thousand and seven. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so you know, what did we get? Fifteen years out of it. It's not yeah. too bad. And- here we are, um, being just, funneled through the yeah. corporate fucking digestive tract, and it's probably about being that. That's 15, 20 years. I mean, you think about like when did WoW come out? 
2004. Yeah. You know, 15, yeah, 20. So similar kind of timeline, right? And similar kind of effect. I mean, yeah. thinking about Blizzard in general, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Blizzard, you know, like, Blizzard has the exact same thing, just, you know, eaten by the corporate freaking, um, I don't know, green yeah. demon and 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 shut out into a, a little cube of um, investor, you know, bullion. Yeah, it happened, right? And then, you yeah. know, like, I mean, even to talk about a different industry, you can look at like I used to work at bottle shops and you'd watch these uh, big companies buy out these new craft breweries yeah, and they would immediately change the recipe of the, of the beers in order to, you know, uh, cut costs. And then people would just not buy those beers anymore because they tasted bad. And then yeah. another company would get reasonably big, you know, and then Carl, CUB or, or Lion would sweep in, buy it, make it shit, and then yeah. no one would buy it anymore. Or they and do you, things like they slowly reduce can sizes. You know, yeah, they, it's just, you know, it, there's there's always a downside to you know corporates catching things like this. But oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think I think just quickly going back to Godot, whilst we're kind of vaguely on the subject, right. um, interesting little engine because it's completely open source, and the intention is to for it to remain completely open source. Uh, it is a pretty well established engine now, and uh, pretty well loved by a, a pretty strong following of open source developers. Uh, but one cool thing I saw was the timing of uh, they are seeking funding, basically uh, f- like a, a, f- a funding round to continue to work on this particular engine and, and get it sort of really cranking at the moment. And it kind of timed out just as the Unity stuff broke. So hopefully we'll see... Godot, uh, you know, secure a reasonable amount of funding and, and can really pump it and become a, a real open source giant. But I think for me, one thing that's kind of always put me off Godot is it uses a scripting language rather than a programming language, uh, which, you know, has its ups and downs. But for me, I'd much rather be programming in a like an actual language um, and maybe that's something they're working on. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I, I uh, missed the uh, the documentation that said they actually use this. But uh, as far as I'm aware, they only they use a thing called GD script. But um, but yes, it's it's def- definitely a different approach to you know your Unreal's that use a more hardcore C plus plus language, and your un, uh, your Unity's that use a, a fairly classic um, C sharp sort of Java like language. But um, but yeah, honestly, Unity. Fucking wild! It'd be interesting to see what happens over the next, for I don't know, next uh, next couple of weeks because I think that's when <coughs> where you know we're going to see a lot of things come to a head and whether they do budge to public pressure. Uh, I would think that they probably won't. Adrian, what do you reckon? No, I don't think so. Um, that because as you said, like uh, these most of these companies that are developing these games are locked in. Yeah, you, know, exactly. you can't just switch away like Genshin Impact. They can't port Genshin Impact to another um, engine, right? Insanely yeah. expensive, and also you can't you want the game down for any any length of time because that's costing you probably more than Unity is costing you. Exactly. Um, it's yeah. Just, the problem is it's those uh, sort of mid-size or lower-size independent developers that are going to get smashed by it because. It's, yeah, it's not a revenue share model like uh, Unreal Engine 3, but all that means is that like 
as you sort of scale down, it's more punishing. So exactly right. It leaves the you know the established players to like um, you know so they can sort of draw money from, uh, and then they just don't give a damn about the rest, which are you know really the rest are who they should be courting. Yeah, well, um, I mean, it's, that's it's, what it's built unity. It's the rest that uh, you, you know are the ones really iterating and and uh, you know producing brand new experiences. It's not the AAA studios that are no. producing interesting uh, niche and uh, bespoke gaming experiences. It's the indie developers who will take those chances, and now they're being penalised quite heavily for a yeah, not for having the backing. Those. And having the and having the you know being able to do that and you know even thinking about things like um, vampire survivors, you know like yeah that, that started its own fucking subgenre. You know what I mean? It's you don't see triple A's doing that anymore. They just don't. Yeah, I mean, I think a big example Diablo Four. You know, uh, I bought that and it's like oh this is like Diablo Three, but not as good as Diablo Three is now. Yeah. This idea that they just want it like straight down the line. You could do some really cool, interesting stuff with Diablo as a franchise and as a concept, that action RPG. But for whatever reason, probably because it's risky, um, they're not going to do it. No, of so course you end not. Up well, with, you know, same it's this, you know, same old thing. Yet again. Yeah. It's the same reason why you see these studios remaking video games because you know, they know it'll get sales because it's a nostalgia driver, right? So yeah, you know, we can we can talk about that. I think uh, if we go into Final Fantasy VII, that's an interesting one. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean, speaking about that, let's uh, let's let's pull the pull the plug on the on the Unity bathtub, just like they've done to their <laughs> uh, their fucking public opinion. But um, but yeah, so there you go. I mean, God, Unity. Uh, we'll see what happens. But um, holy dooly, um, quite 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 the freaking conundrum happening there all right now we're going to kind of blitz through these just because i mean you know there's a lot of shit that kind of we just already knew about for the most part but um but uh, we had a playstation state of play now there was a bunch of shit that was announced uh, well not quite announced either we knew about and they we kind of got new trailers etc um not an awful lot that we didn't know about. So uh, the big ticket items we got off that were Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. We got a more of a gameplay trailer this time, which um, looked pretty good. Adrian, did you play uh, the uh, the initial Final Fantasy remake? I did. I did play it. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. Were you, were you a player of the original PlayStation game? I did play the original Final Fantasy VII. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a classic, right? I mean it is. Uh, it's, I feel like they did a pretty good job of recreating that in a more modern engine with you know a new approach. And I I, I am kind of a pretty big fan of the fact that they're slightly tweaking the story in weird and wonderful ways. You know, I think yeah, it's a, I think it's a very cool idea. Um, I was yeah, I was sort of uh, thinking about it like. We do it with movies, right? Like, think about how yeah. many sort of like different variations on Batman we've had. Yeah. And how Batman kind of changes based on, you know, the director. You know, if we look back at like the um the sort of the nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties Batman. Yeah. Uh, by, you know, Helena Bonham Carter's then husband, I've forgotten his name. Yeah, I can't think of the guy either. Uh, um I know who you're talking about though. 
Tim Burton. Yeah, the old, the old classic. Yeah. yeah, you know, and those were kind of super weird, man. You remember? I remember seeing that the one Batman Returns with the Penguin, Danny DeVito as the Penguin. Oh yeah, that's yeah. just terrifying, man. Yeah, yeah. And then I you've mean, got your sort of yeah. your Dark Knight of uh, Christopher Nolan. They put another spin on it, so it's like, why can't we do that to video games? Why yeah. can't we retell these narratives in different ways? Yeah, but also kind of having a lot of the uh, appeal of the original game. Like one thing I was, when when Final Fantasy Remake uh, kind of uh, came out, I, I wondered how they would translate some of the weird shit that happens in the original game into, you know, uh, just literally not, uh, you know, pre-rendered backgrounds and, you know, two, like, you know, pol- polygon characters with like five fucking... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. sides to them. How do, how are they going to recreate this particular moment where you know there's all these like muscle men like you know groping one another and like you know just all this random shit that happened in the game and they did a really good job of like, 100% committed to it. Yeah, they just they just embraced that weirdness and I mean yeah. even the honeybee in scene. Well, when you, yeah, when you're in, yeah when you're in um, infiltrating Don Corleone's. Yeah, I mean like, that is it is fucking excellent. They did such a good job, and like, I think you know, looking at this most recent trailer, we see a lot of um, you know Cloud and uh, Sephiroth, uh, and you know just some of the classic, uh, I guess, scenes from the original game. Just after they leave Midgar and go towards Nibelheim and all those other areas, we see Kate Sith, the cat um, character. Uh, we see that. We also see that vampire dude. I can't remember his freaking name, oh, yeah, but he's Vincent. in there as well. Vincent. I wonder, are they going to change much the same way they've slightly changed the narrative? Are they going to ch- slightly change Kate Sith so you actually want him in your party? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I I never had him in my party. No, no <laughs> way, man. Like, that, that guy is shit. Oh. But he looks baller in the in the yeah. in the uh, in the in the trailers. Very arcadey in in the way. Um, I don't know that he he approaches his his attack styles and stuff. And I mean, speaking of arcadey, uh, we get a bit of a glimpse of the Golden Saucer as oh, well yeah. uh, from that original game, and and presumably some of the mini games we can play at. The, the golden saucer which is like such house. a yeah oh man yeah. it's it looks yeah. really so dope good. and I, I think the scope for this game seems a lot bigger than the original uh, so the first part of the the remake series i guess um and we're definitely getting a few interesting kind of uh interactions between characters for example we see cloud and sephiroth um battling some stuff together which i don't really think takes place in that area of the game from memory anyway um but yeah so feb 29th um we're gonna we're gonna be getting that and it's on two discs adrian taking us back to the good old days yeah take disc out put disc two in i'm freaking ready so so there you go final final uh fantasy seven rebirth well actually you know quickly before we end on that one um you know developers uh maybe kind of taking a risk whilst not really taking a risk on something you know i mean obviously people are going to buy the final fantasy remake game series i mean it's that obvious and easy but but they are kind of i think it's quite a big risk to tweak your story uh in a well in in a group of fans as fickle as video gamers can be uh you know 
I, th- I think that's a quite a significant risk to be taking. But I'm, uh, kudos for them to 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 be doing it. I think right? it's, I think it's very cool. They could easily have done a completely faithful remake to Final Fantasy VII with better graphics, and it would have sold an insane yep. amount. For them to sort of, and also for them to not even really make the changing of the narrative uh, like a marketing point. So that yeah. as you're playing it, you're like, hang on, this is, you you're know, like, wait, this is weird. what I remember. Is that yeah. because I played this game when I was 10 years old? Or yeah. are they gaslighting me? Yes. <laughs> the answer is both. <laughs> yeah. I just think, I think it's, um, I'd like gaslighting. This is very cool. Yeah. Um, it kind so of reminds me of, yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of when um, From Software released Bloodborne and made no mention of the fact that it goes, uh, you know, from zero to 100% Lovecraftian <laughs> yeah. about halfway through. People just go, what the what fuck? <laughs> I thought this was a freaking Van Helsing werewolf yeah. tale, not freaking, you know, yeah, Lovecraft's yeah, freaking deepest, darkest secrets. Yeah, you know? and that's the kind of stuff, that's my jam, you know? Yeah, Get yeah, I'm a huge fan of that as well. Yeah, which is wonderful. But yeah, I, I'm I'm very keen for the next um, iteration of uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake um, series, and I think the combat looked really good as well. It's something I'm looking forward to immensely. So one thing I would love to see them do, actually, Adrian, is like have a turn-based mode in there that yeah. isn't just like easy mode because they had an easy mode turn-based thing going on in the original. But I'd love to see them do like a you know, have the ability to be, do either action-based combat or some kind of turn-based thing, just just for the nostalgia's sake, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think something like that would be cool. Or even if it was, you know, a certain part of the game, it's all turn-based for a bit. Yeah. Perhaps for, yeah. I don't know, just sort of uh, spitballing. But I didn't yeah. mind the action, the action uh, strategy kind of thing. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool and sort of similar to like your, your Final Fantasy, what, like, 14 those kind of ones yeah your gambits what have you yeah no i think it was a pretty good approach either way and i think yeah probably just a good decision in generally to to have that kind of combat style for your uh your uh potential zoomer percentage of um uh gamers these days well Um, yeah even the new final fantasy is like you're sort of closer to your devil may cry than yeah exactly uh, the previous the previous entries, which I think is an interesting trend. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move along to uh, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Now, when I looked at this trailer, Adrian, all yep. I could think of was fucking, it just looked like Far Cry with a freaking oh, Avatar okay. shader. Oh, okay, Ubisoft made it. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. what it checks out, man. Yeah. I, don't think so, I think they're allergic to, re, to not reusing their assets. Oh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think the, the classic Ubisoft formula is, I don't know, a little bit little bit kind of, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm a bit over it, to be honest. I, don't, I don't, they're not good game developers, man, I don't think. <laughs> no. I, I think mean, the, I don't think they the mighty have games. fallen quite far. <laughs> Far Cry 3 was awesome. I yeah. thought that was very cool. Far Cry 2, incredible game. Yeah, Assassin's of, Creed um, 1s and 2s, yeah. you know. But they, you know, they used to do cool stuff like Far Cry 2. Um, yeah. I'm obsessed with it. It's a retail it's a retelling of Heart of Darkness by Joseph yeah. Conrad. Yeah. And more than like any other sort of game in in order to like Heart of Darkness or you know, I think the remake of it the film Apocalypse Now is about a man, you know, in this kind of situation completely losing his humanity. In Far yeah. Cry 2, they make you lose your humanity. 
in order yeah. to really succeed at that game, you've got to do stuff like set people's houses on fire, shoot a dude with a sniper rifle, and then pick off his friends as they come to rescue him. Like it <laughs> makes you become a beast. A, yeah, a disgusting, is, yeah, vile, which is an incredible thing. way of getting your theme across that is really only available to video games. That's yes. the kind of game they were making. And then Far Cry Three comes out, and it twists this uh, twists on their head that white savior narrative. Yeah. Right. Um, and then Far Cry Four comes out, and it's Far Cry Three. And then Far Cry Five comes out, and it's Far Cry Four, and so yeah. on and so forth. It's like someone yeah. there was making some pretty cool games and taking some pretty cool chances. And now and then not. they stopped. Yeah. Yeah. They stopped for whatever reason. Yeah. But I, I, I think never, I think it's a, a of, of Ubisoft really. Yeah, I think I, I always I loved my Assassin's Creed to begin with, but I mean they kind of went downhill fairly dramatically, it's the same and I think game. yeah, it, it literally became that same game over and over again to the point where even when they tried to make a change to the to that series, they just they couldn't. And I think this particular uh, trailer just kind of voiced that so perfectly well yet again. Like you just, I kept seeing things I've seen in Far Cry. You know, yeah. like just so the so, way the character yeah, the, moves. Like yeah. I'm climbing a fucking tower and I'm 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 lock, unlocking something. Like I'm I'm stealing I'm a eight foot tall blue dude. I should climb yeah. different. Yeah, I don't know. I just just it it felt bizarre to to look at. But I don't know what I was expecting from this game. But I was not expecting this because when we got um the early rumblings about the fact that there was this frontiers um kind of avatar game coming out, it kind of sounded like it was going to be more RPG than than this but uh but yeah it just seems like it's just uh far uh, far cry with a with another lick of paint so i don't know uh you know uh stand to be corrected if it comes out it's actually good but right now don't know how i feel about it so we'll, we'll see mean, what happens that is a good point actually in the chat was avatar 2 a big event i feel like the right time with this game was 11 years ago yeah and i'm like yeah i think you i think you're spot on there i didn't really yeah. care about avatar the way of water um i think it and- sold pretty well though yeah, I mean, I but really I feel... enjoyed Avatar, like just in terms of the sheer spectacle of it. Yeah, but... yeah, I, I, I think Airy J is one hundred percent correct there. But I don't know, maybe I, I feel like movie media and video game tie-ins are just less compatible these days, anyway. I don't think they were um, ever good. Yeah, I mean, there's probably what like uh, one good game, uh, Chronicles of Riddick: Escape from Butcher Bay. True. That was good. Banger. Absolute and, banger. Uh, like the Aladdin on Super Nintendo, that was pretty good as well. That was the first game I ever completed by myself as a there you go. child. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, one. got a special little spot in my heart. It's a classic. But, yeah, <laughs> but I don't beyond know. Beyond that, it's like none of them are very good. It's good, And, I mean, it's because video games and movies are like the opposite. Yeah, you know, well, the exactly. The cool thing about video games are the simulations, and the cool thing about movies are the narratives, and you can't have both. Or it's yeah. very hard to have both. Yeah, and in this this particular instance, yeah, I, I, I think we're yeah. not having both. Though, this next one, Spider-Man 2, um, look, I'm going to be honest, people know about um, my feelings for Marvel and just general superhero stuff. I'm completely uninterested. Still very uninterested with Spider-Man 2, but they seem to be doing a lot of cool shit with the next iteration of the Spider-Man series um, based on... Just what I saw in the trailer, like you're doing kind of that GTA switch between the different Spider-Mans thing and you can go and do Spider-Man A and Spider-Man B, Miles Morales and Peter Parker. Um, But the game looks incredibly gorgeous and it looks like they're kind of pumping a lot of 
extra villains in there. So I think, uh, you know, lovers of the Spider-Man series and just kind of superhero Marvel stuff are going to be eating pretty well with this particular um, game. Did you have a bit of a look, Adrian? Uh, I have not looked at Spider-Man 2. I played uh, the other Spider-Man, yep. Spider-Man and Spider-Man Miles Morales. I found yep. them pretty fun. I thought um, yep. they had a good combat system. They had a good traversal, like in a sort of, uh, you know... Yeah, need, which think, you have to get right for a Spider-Man game. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. but if you're not going to get the web-slinging sorted, yeah. like, fuck, you've lost. Well, you, 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 it's you've a lost game it. over. It's game yeah. over. But I think I would say for, like, any sort of, uh, you know, your, your Grand Theft Autos and, and stuff, I think accepting those Rockstar ones, you need some sort of good traversal mechanic. I can remember, I don't know if you guys ever played Prototype, it's like oh, a sort yeah. of like yep. mid quality or reasonable quality kind of unknown, not unknown game, but not by a big AAA. That hell was excellent. Like just running up walls, turning into well, a bad thing. Isn't that like, the same developer as Spider Man Insomniac? Uh, it's by developers Radical Entertainment. Okay. Well, I'm thinking of Infamous, I think. Yeah. So Infamous I played and I wasn't super huge on. Yeah. But I quite enjoyed uh, the Spider Man. Uh, games, I thought they good combat, good traversal, and like good attention to detail. Like infamous this, wasn't even them either. No, they were sucker punch uh, just there. Like, I think, uh, <laughs> um, you know, when you're Spider Man, when you're like, uh, he's got they recorded two voice lines for Peter Parker. One when you're just walking around normally, and one when you're swinging. And the one when you're yep. swinging, you're out of breath. Just like little <laughs> little touches like that, I really like. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I do like that. Yeah, it's yeah. like. Um, yeah, that it's kind good. of stuff. It just good games, means Dev. the game's going to be good, right? Because they care. Someone cared oh. enough to go, Spider-Man should be out of breath when he's swinging. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's just all these little attentions, the details that you need. Yeah, um, that's the big one. But yeah. but yeah, I mean, Spider-Man 2 looks pretty sexy. So yeah. look, those those are the major kind of standouts for your, your PlayStation uh, state of play. There's a bunch of other stuff that kind of cruising around looks like... Uh, uh, Honkai Star Rail was uh, was releasing on e the 11th of October. Um, so some people are going to be pretty excited about that. We've got some more Helldivers 2 gameplay. Uh, they've got some new freaking face plates that are similar to controller colors that are coming. Ghost Runner 2 got some uh, more gameplay, bunch of Resident Evil shit, Ghostbusters. So, yeah, look, there was a bunch of stuff, but the ones we discussed, they were the, the standouts. Now, we also got a Nintendo Direct, which... Uh, Again, big week of news. Um, so, yeah, look, Nintendo Direct, a lot of shit was announced. I might, I might just quickly touch on some of the uh, the low-hanging fruit stuff. Uh, uh, we got, where were we? Uh, WarioWare got um, a, a brand new look at it, some of its uh, mini games coming in November. Uh, we also got, uh, there's like an F-Zero, one wild. I, didn't, I never thought I'd ever see Captain Falcon back in action again, but they've got some weird 99-player Battle Royale thing called F-099 that is what available now. Yeah, which is crazy. So kind of um, what was that, like, like the Tetris um, Battle Royale thing they oh, had? Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So I guess in a similar kind of vein to that. Uh, they also had, well, we knew that uh, Detective Pikachu was coming and they got uh, we got a bit more of a gameplay trailer for that. Uh, got another look at the Super Mario RPG uh, uh, gameplay and stuff, which you know is the direct uh, remake of the Super Nintendo um, Super Mario RPG game. So pretty baller, uh, and a bunch of other shit. Splatoon's getting DLC. Um, 
and a bunch of other stuff. But the standouts. So we had Mario versus Donkey Kong. Now, this is a remake of the GBA title. There's a series of Mario versus Donkey Kong games. Uh, they're kind of a bit more puzzly and kind of single, uh, kind of single screen levels, I guess, in the kind of a, a bridge between the sort of Super Mario gameplay, but crossed with the arcade Mario kind of Donkey Kong thing that used to happen, or you know, where you're kind of running up, up jumping over barrels and shit like that. Watch and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Your games and watch stuff. So kind of like meets in the middle there. So if you played the GBA title, you probably know exactly what you're after. Looks fairly simplistic, but a lot of people were really hyped about this one because I think uh, there's not an awful lot in that kind of ilk these days anyway. Uh, so you'll get your chance to play that bad boy. So exciting. Now, interesting one. Uh, we knew that Princess Peach uh, Showtime was coming along, but we got a just a bit of a, a, a gameplay preview. does indeed look like it is like a theatre kind of thing and Princess Peach is on stage doing theatrical stuff, uh, fighting against a, a big baddie, uh, but using a hair uh, ribbon as a weapon and... Uh, what else was there? She also has kind of like power-ups where she dresses in different costumes and does yeah, different she shit. Gets like a sword, I saw. Yeah, just um, kind of the musketeers thing. Uh, what else was there? Also uh, like a in like an Indiana Jones kind of inspector kind of thing. I actually thought this is awesome because the Super Mario movie did super well uh, and I'd imagine that Princess Peach probably garnered quite a significant following of, you know, young people that uh, like her as a character. And I think this is probably a perfect way to kind of get people onboarded for, you know, having a, you know, a heroine, I guess, as a, is that how you pronounce it? Heroine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not the drug, the fucking, <laughs> you know, yeah, the, the other female one. Hero. <laughs> yeah. The female hero. Um, you know, having a heroin based kind of game, I guess. I mean, they, they, obviously they're out there, but we've never really seen, princess peach do much outside of the damsel in distress thing and uh you know i guess in the more recent movie kind of we got a bit outside of that and we've seen princess peach do some less kind of damsel in distressy stuff so yeah i think this is great you know um bring it to a new audience and and yeah give her a new lick of paint and um you know she don't need no man yeah it's an interesting one um i was just sort of it reminds me of I know you guys have played that old school like Mickey Mouse game on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, now, like, oh, what was know, that you, one? One of them, it was like a. Um, was he on the boat in the uh, the black and white at the start, or am I thinking of a different one? No, that's like I think you talk about Steamboat Willie way back in the day. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this one was like you know you get like one one level is like a wizard, you know, and the other level you get like some yeah. rabbit hooks or whatever. Oh, is it like that kind of like link to the sort of Mickey's Mickey's uh, enchanted something? Oh, man, yeah. I, I know the exact one you're talking about. Can't yeah, think of what it's called. Something like um, that. I don't know, but, but yeah, it, yeah like, and that kind of gameplay I've always thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah, you know, finding you know, different power ups and changing the game a little bit. Yep. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much up for anything Nintendo does. I don't really think they make bad games. Um, no, I don't either. I Even despite being quite simplistic a lot of the time, I think that yeah. their approach to level design is is nuanced and and uh, well delivered every single time, to, regardless. So yeah, um, I think so. You can pretty much. I mean, it might not be for 
like it might not be for you in the sense that you know I probably won't play um, the Mario versus Donkey Kong. No, me neither. I'm not going to say that it's like a bad game. You know, no There's a reason for it to exist. Exactly, and I'm probably the same with Princess Peach. Just I probably won't get around to it. Um, yeah, you know, I want something maybe slightly more challenging. You know, so um, but this next game might fit the bill for me. Maybe for you too, Adrian. Don't know if you've ever played Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door, but that is a cult Nintendo classic that never got a re-release after its initial release on the GameCube. So we're getting a full remake, uh, and people are fucking losing their shit over it. I will have to play it. I never played it the first time. I went through like a PlayStation period um, around that time. Nintendo sixty-four. Yeah. Um, Yep. So you you were you were so I missed uh, out on a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the GameCube, God, great, great fucking great console. But um, there are some plonker titles on it. But it did produce uh, Wind Waker, which dear dear boy, oh my goodness, what a game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people say that uh, Thousand Year Door is some of the best writing that Nintendo's ever done. Uh, okay. Uh, especially when it comes to narrative and I think just general kind of dialogue um, and just kind of being funny in general. So uh, as far as I'm aware, Paper Mario, Thousand Year Door, uh, some people, some people, I mean, as always, some people always say things, uh, but uh, agreed to be probably one of the better titles in this RPG kind of vein and um, everything else. So. So yeah, get your get your freaking eyeballs around it once it comes out. I'm not too sure on the exact release date for that one actually, but uh, I think it was next year sometime. Uh, yeah, 2024. There. <laughs> yeah, which um, uh, interesting that they've kind of gone um, Super Mario RPG and then Thousand Year Door fairly close together. I thought they were, might have staggered them a bit more, but kind of suggests to me that maybe they're trying to pump these out before they have the Switch Two come out whenever that is and i'd probably say probably end of next year sometime yeah no i reckon you'd probably be on the money with that yeah so there you go now uh that's our freaking quest log so uh good shit we we pumped through that pretty big discussion on unity but i think it was well warranted um so uh yeah in, in interesting shit going down in the unity camp now we didn't have a poll last week because, quite frankly, I forgot. And normally I get Grizz to do that. And, you know, Grizz um, <laughs> has only had 27 hours of sleep. Uh, uh, not had sleep in 27 hours. So didn't happen. Uh, but you can expect one next week, promise. Um, all right. So in lieu of that, we have a little segment called How's Your Gaming Been Going, Adrian? I want to know how your gaming's been going, mate. Well, I've been, I just recently, I finished my teaching degree. I started teaching. So all my free time is gone. Yeah. Um, so I've been managing to jam in like a couple of hours of uh, Baldur's Gate 3, you know, a few times a week, just taking that out of the sleep bucket. Yep. And placing um, it into the other buckets. The leisure bucket. Be things in. Uh, then, yeah. Then, then, then taking it, then, then, you know, taking stuff from the mental health bucket, putting that in the sleep bucket. <laughs> Um, yeah. And yeah. I've just been Not having much an that absolute bucket. blast playing it. I've been playing it um, multiplayer with a couple of mates. And yep. it, uh, it really captures that the kind of chaos of good D&D when everyone's yep. got their own plans and yep. their own sort of things. And like, No one can agree on anything. Not great. And yeah, yeah. it's yeah. been really fun. I've been I really enjoying it. 
I can't believe we've gotten ourselves into this particular yeah, fight. Damn, Shit, we how are we going to get yeah, out of this? Yeah. yeah, we've killed everybody again, you know, yeah. but it was the other person this time. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I play a multiplayer game of Civ Six with some oh, nice. friends, and we do that uh, every uh, we do it Tuesday, or we do it like once a week. Yeah, um, play a sesh. We sort of started that in um, uh, lockdown, actually. Uh, yeah, you guys have been doing it for ages now. Ages yeah. and ages, man. I really yeah. recommend it. You know, if you're sitting out there and you got Civ and, and some friends, man, start up a weekly Civ match. It's a yeah. cool way to hang out. That's a banger. Yeah, either that or or do a weekly Boulders Gate match. Yeah. Yeah, one of the two, one yeah. of the two. Um, but that's about uh, it, really. Other than that, yeah, that's wicked, mate. Love it. Yeah, well, man, I've been doing something pretty similar. I mean, trying to pump through Baldur's Gate where I can. I want to really get through a single player playthrough before I touch multiplayer. And I'm pretty close. I'm in the final act. Obviously, won't say anything about it. But um, God, that <sighs> have you gotten to the second act, Adrian? Oh, I'm in the third act now. Oh, uh, you are. Cool. It gets yeah because I had to start a solo game, you know, for the other yeah. times, yeah. More yeah. out of the sleep bucket. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, with the multiplayer game, we're in the second act still. And it's like, yeah. you know, things have gone terribly wrong in my in my solo game. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's all new for me, really. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, the, the writing's awesome, man. The, the, oh, the story yeah. is awesome. It's like just really well done. And like in video games, writing's not normally very good. No. Because most time it's no. pretty bad, you know. So it's good that I guess, you know, it's a big part of, uh, you know, RPGs, Dungeons and Dragons especially. But. Yeah, oh for sure fun. but it's it's still a i mean honestly this is like a i mean they should put me fucking printing Baldur's gate three cds and putting them into fucking space capsules to send to aliens as examples oh, yeah, of yeah, human yeah. work because this yeah. is yeah, this is the pinnacle in my opinion like you know just the way that they have been able to generate something of this caliber but like with this much scope is just fucking insane yeah, like, it blows it, my mind i mean it took them a long time they were at it for a while yeah, God bless but, them. I mean, um, God, they, but even they did still, it. Like the um, the changes they've made to the combat, the fifth edition combat is excellent. Yes, like, I find yeah. out of all the things, probably because I do play Dungeons and Dragons, combat is the thing I think that drags the most. Yeah, um, but it's really quite fun. I think part of it is like all the you know the different abilities and stuff that you get with each weapon, which gives a variety. But also, yep. just they're really good at counter design. <laughs> so, like, that's the other part, oh, right? That's absolutely. the other part that makes combat fun. You can do that in your, in your fifth edition games. It just requires, like, a fair bit of work. Yeah, um, I think that's the big one is, is you know, a lot of the encounters are just, they're tweaked in ways that makes most encounters feel really fresh. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not kind of just stuff. having the same old shit every time. You're not just yeah. fighting, you know, this particular enemy. Like, you're... Whether it be a different combination, or you know, uh, you know, your your uh, terrains a little bit different, or you're dealing with, you know, could be some kind of environmental thing you're dealing with. It's 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 brilliant the way that they kind of mix it all together. It's oh man, it's just a you know the, the, the secret sauce is just mental. It's quite interesting. Like as you, as you saw, what, you got follow on what you were saying. It's like it's the game. It's like uh, big in scope, but it's also flexible enough. That you can kind of have those cool D and D moments in a game that doesn't have a dungeon master, you know, like you yeah. can do some wackadoo stuff that you would, you know, do like yeah, playing with four other people, you know, with one person uh, running the game, which I think is very cool that they oh. can make a game that's tight enough like that, but still flexible enough for you to be able to do some, you know, stuff that makes D and D fun. 
Oh, absolutely. I really do hope that they put together some some DLC. I think it, you know, they have discussed the challenges that that would um, invoke. I guess uh, you know beyond the uh, the levels, uh, you know, they start hitting spells that you know um, fucking change reality and stuff yeah, like that, which I think you know, pretty um, hard to program. Yeah, and I think honestly, like the decision and to balance. stop it at level twelve is like. That kind of makes sense. I mean, that's when, like, playing um, pen and paper D&D, it's like that's when the game's at its most fun, probably. The, yeah. the, the levels from 5 to level 12, I reckon, yeah. when you're having the most fun. Beyond that, it starts to get yeah. a little bit too, like, Star Wars, Return of the Skywalker or whatever, where it's like yeah. everything is this huge world-ending threat, and thus it becomes very boring. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And then you've got your levels 1 to 4 where any encounter could... Fucking yeah. wipe your party. Yeah, you, just, yeah you, you know, drop down off a medium ledge with your legs and you don't bend your knees. Yeah, a, yeah. You, know, yeah, you should have should have watched your fucking OHS <laughs> fucking videos, mate. <laughs> Classic. Um, but yeah, look, honestly, loving Baldur's Gate every second of it. I believe you and I are going to have a um, yeah multiplayer game soon at some point, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm pumped for that, man. It's going to be yeah. fun as hell. That's going to be huge. So we're looking forward to that. Um, I've been playing a little bit of Sea of Stars here and there. Really, really good game. Um, it's just kind of become my um, need to not think about anything and just kind of go to sleep soon game, which has yeah. been great. You know, that kind of, uh, uh, what do you call it? Chrono Trigger-esque. I wouldn't say it's definitely not as good as Chrono Trigger uh, and nor is it in as in-depth when it comes to you know, just the ma- even just the magic system and stuff, but it's 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 still a very fucking solid indie game and definitely deserve deserving of people's time. So worth a crack. And uh, I've been trying to get back into Starfield, but man, that game is fucking boring. It's fucking boring. Sorry, but it's shit. It's so yeah. fucking boring. I, I can't believe it. I don't think that Bethesda make good games. Any more? Like, yeah. I mean, I, the way I sort of see it is like. Back when Oblivion was coming out, Morrowind, and to an extent Skyrim, like nobody was doing those kind of games, right? That if was the did, Wild West massive, of RPG development, you know? Yeah, if you wanted a massive sprawling world in which you could wander around and do whatever, it had to be a Bethesda game. But now, yeah. you know, The Witcher came out, The Witcher yeah. 2, The Witcher 3, yeah. Red Dead Redemption, which is kind yeah. of similar. You've got all these pinnacle RPGs Dark that just prove the craft. Now, you know, like, yeah. And so, Starfield, or and to an extension, Flight 4, um, they haven't changed the game enough. It's the same no. game with a new coat of paint. And I mean, if you like that, that's good. That's fine. But for me, it's like, I don't know. I just don't like doing it anymore. I'm just chasing new experiences, is the problem. Yeah. And I'm not getting that from this game. It's 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 fucking it's Fallout Four in space, and and it's not even written that well. Like some of the like the story is just I'm just finding inane, and the tasks I'm tasked with, I'm just like, okay, cool, go and do this. I just they do a really poor job of like really tying it all together with a nice game engine because you just feel like you're stopping starting every two seconds between loading screens. It's just yeah. it's fucking appalling. So. I don't know. I, I, it makes me worried about Elder Scrolls Six because I mean I've been hyped for Elder Scrolls Six since I was in high school, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I'd love to see them pull it off, but I mean, I, I, I have absolutely no uh, trust that they can produce a reasonable Elder Scrolls game that isn't a pile of 
hunking poo-poo. So, yeah, I, I, I don't just know. don't think they're capable of it. No, I think I think the glory days are over, unfortunately, Bethesda. Uh, and uh, this was a pretty. Uh, I mean, it's it's a fine game. It's there's nothing wrong with it, but it's I'm just finding it so boring because there's nothing good about it either. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. they're doing something different. It's like yeah, it's like Diablo Four. Yeah, you know? I played that uh, for a bit. I was quite enjoying it, but then it's like, well, that's it. That's the game, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's I got the, ex- the exact same point. Felt the exact same way. And like you know? I sort of one thing I was uh, I don't know if you played Death Stranding. Yes. Um, but then, I mean that game is like, you know, pretty wild. Oh yeah. Big one time. thing I thought about that was very interesting about it is that it's very gamey in the sense of how they introduce new things. So yeah. it's like, you know, you get like this and then like you start off you get your ladders and your ropes and whatever, and then something happens and now the game has changed a little bit. You've got vehicles. Then you've got a point where BB, you don't have them anymore. So it's like very gamey in the sense, even though it's like a really big narrative game, um, all through the game, you're constantly losing stuff and gaining stuff and changing the way that you interact with the world. Whereas Bethesda games, it's like you start at the beginning and that's it. That's you. You know, there's never like this narrative point where like, you know, you've got to make do with something. Like yeah, you're not culminating out. to these points or anything. Yeah, yeah. You're just kind of you're, you never you're get there. Like something cool, something crazy yeah. good. Yeah, you know, it's all like I think. Which I'm constantly getting in Baldur's Gate well. at the moment. You know, oh dude, it's just like we've got some we've got some insane stuff going now. We've got some really crazy, um, you know, uh, synergies going. Like the, yeah. my mate's playing a rogue. He every time he disengages, he makes this fog cloud. He has this ring that stops him from getting blinded. Which means that when he fog clouds, he can still see oh, the enemy. That's which means crazy. He always has advantage on them, and then he's Holy got shit. some thing that gives him makes him do a crit on nineteen and twenty if he's obscured, which the fog cloud does. And so <laughs> he's just like running around. Just I mean, it's a huge problem for us because now there's just fog clouds all over the fucking battlefield, <laughs> and I can't target people with heals, you know. And obviously, I'm blind in the fog. But yeah. I tell you what, he's having a ball. He's having an absolute blast. <laughs> I love that. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, God, what a fucking game. And I mean, wow. that's the thing. It's like Starfield's come out. Well, Baldur's Gate 3 exists now, you know? Yeah. We've got yeah. And I, of course, all I can do is compare it. Yeah, because they're at the same time. And, one is and much it's not better. very favorable for Starfield no, <laughs> at not, all. You know, it's just... Yeah. You've just got to. You've got to do something new. You've got to evolve. Yeah, yeah you have to. Or maybe they don't, because they're still selling. Well, you know. I mean, and it has sold really well, and people. I are would quite say happy morally, morally, you have to evolve. Yeah. yeah, they haven't. Yeah, they might have made money, but have they made moral yeah. coin? No. Have they made dreams. No. They haven't. <laughs> Zilch. <laughs> Deep and dreamless sleep. Yeah, absolutely. God, uh, you're not wrong. Um, I suppose that one last thing I wanted to say is uh, Lies of P is out in like a few hours or something. Um, Are you going to get into that? I'm pretty keen. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Bloodborne Pinocchio it. thing going on. Yeah. I read this thing. It's like you can, uh, you know, like improve your weapons, but you can also break your weapons and put yeah. one weapon on top of another weapon to make yeah. another, which seems like that's pretty cool. I like that stuff. It's almost like yeah. Dark Cloud, that old yeah. school. Weird I think the game. the hilt acts as like a it gives you like a uh, an ability and then the blade is like the move set kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then they've got some really cool shit going on with how your blade constantly suffers like um uh, deterioration and then you've got to kind of like in the middle of combat find time to 
um, yeah, your, like um, use your your weapon grinder on it and, and like, sharpen uh, it up. Monster Hunter. Yeah, which is cool. It is the way it's it's been good. So, um, well, in the demo I played, the only thing I didn't like at the time of the demo was the dodge felt like shit. But I think they apparently addressed that. So, I'm pretty keen to give that a crack. And I think it's on Game Pass from memory. Oh. So, so get around it. Um, hopefully, not a Unity, or uh, you know, they're going to be suffering. Uh, yeah, Unreal Engine Four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, there you go. Now, um, look, that's basically uh, that. That was that's the freaking how your game is going, and uh, I think we're going to dive straight into rapid fire news. So let's freaking get freaking in there. Rapid fire news brought to you by DJ Francesco. It's in the freaking game, baby. All right, this is the uh, this is the rapid fire news segment where we rapidly duck through some of the, the other things we didn't get a chance to talk about this week. Uh, to begin with, NBA 2K24 is Steam's second most worst-rated game of all time. Uh, looks like the approach to just funneling microtransactions into video games, uh, as the CEO of uh, Unity seems to believe is the way to go, isn't the way to go, according to uh, public opinion. So uh, there you go. Uh Next, Starfield's getting mod support next year, Adrian. So maybe they can, uh, someone can mod the game to be good. Just maybe. hire the developers that make the good mod games, the good yeah. mods, and then get them to make the next game. Exactly. It's fucking easy. After Bethesda. that, get the people that mod that game, hire them, fire the yeah. others. That's exactly. How you, that's how you get yeah. better. It's just, it's like the fucking Ouroboros, you know, yeah. just eating itself over Eat, and over again. Them out. Yeah, I love that. Um, all right, Bungie wins court case against serial cheater leading to a $500,000 fine and permaban. Now, this guy was a real piece of shit, basically just like constantly was running cheats and death threats to um, fucking Bungie staff. Uh, but, yeah, so this person is, um, yeah, a real turd. So That's there good. you go. Won't, won't be coming back. Get the fuck out of here. All right, next one. Nintendo patent seems to suggest that they have solved Joy-Con drift for the uh, Switch 2, which is quite big. I mean, Joy-Con drift became a huge curse for Nintendo. Yeah, I mean, I've been churning it through them. I'd game hard. Yeah, so uh, it's interesting because it's it's hard to believe that they didn't, they missed that in quality assurance testing for the original Switch. Uh, So it makes me wonder whether they just had to commit to the the peripheral and that they knew yeah, that, that was maybe, going to happen eventually. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, I remember like my uh, Nintendo 64 controllers getting pretty, oh. pretty loosey goosey. Oh, uh, dude. After a couple rounds of Mario party or the, the you know, the, the powder. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so dude, I, you're grinding that fucking like plastic uh, thumbstick yeah. with your palm trying to do semicircles and full ro- revolutions over and over again as quickly as you could. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're going to be mean, grinding something. Something's got to give, right? It's either your yeah. palms or yeah. some of the uh, analog yeah. stick. But I mean, oh, yeah. I um, got stick drift on my PS5 controllers. As I said, yeah. I, I game pretty hard. Um, but my yeah. Uh, yeah. partner bought me one of the. Elite controllers, Ooh. which is like insanely expensive, like a crazy amount to spend. But one you thing that I found really out. appealing, you can take the thumbsticks off. You can yeah. even swap out the actual analog sticks yeah. and put in new ones, which kind of, yeah. I mean, makes sense from like a, a game hard perspective, but also from a sustainability perspective. I shouldn't have to yeah. buy a whole new um, 
I shouldn't have to buy a whole new uh, controller. Well, Microsoft is getting behind that now as well. They've their their marketplace is expanding to include um, controller. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, like um, pieces. <laughs> I don't know. What yeah, yeah. Call. I think it's a good um, idea. You know, so you can do like, self repairs. Even from like a customization customization perspective, they should be doing that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, all right. So also, uh, Armored Core Six has sold 1.2 million units on PC. Uh, you'll be one of those next ones, Adrian. Yeah, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna play it so bad, man. I'm gonna play it to my eyes bleed. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that big time. I'm I'm gonna be interested to hear your thoughts on that game as well. Um, so I don't want to see you sticking to the shotgun meta, though, mate. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Only up has been delisted from Steam. That is that uh, that weird um, like game where you're literally just crawling up um, a platform thing all the way it's kind of like got the uh what is it uh getting over it vibe going on where you're trying to yeah, get up yeah. the thing um looks like this coincided with grizz's recent playthrough so I'm, I'm, i can only imagine <laughs> the two are two are related so um there yeah all right hades 2 will launch uh with early access in q2 of 2024 uh i don't know how i feel about that uh, a game like Hades, I kind of just want the entire meal on my plate. Not, I don't want to be served it entree, 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 and then finally the rest of the meal a year or so later. So I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, I guess it's just how it is. It's how it's how people do things these days. Um, EA has also said that Sims Five will not uh, feature any energy mechanics, which uh, <laughs> they did say anything about. Any other th- mechanics? <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll see what other mechanics they've got to take that place of uh, funneling your money into their pockets. Uh, Immortals of Avium, uh, the developers of, have laid off half their staff since the game did horrifically shit. Uh, so unfortunate, but uh, uh, yeah, that's just how it goes. I guess you, when you've when your first um, week, you have a max of like seven hundred players. Um, so yeah, pretty rough. Players. No, no, not even close. Uh, they wouldn't even trigger the threshold for twenty cents uh, an install. So rough, pretty rough. Um, all right, EA is ending support for Wild Hearts, which is their Monster Hunter-like game, uh, seven months after release. Bing bong. Yeah, don't know what to say about that. I think the game uh, had a lot of potential, but just didn't quite uh, meet the needs of Monster Hunter fans. Uh, yeah, don't know. Just didn't quite didn't quite hit that mark. So unfortunate. I really liked what they're doing with uh, the bosses and the I don't know, just the approach to the the game. But yeah, didn't quite hit the mark. So there you go. But uh, that is the entirety of the uh, the Rapify news, and that's the show. Um, it's been a banger, Adrian. Thanks for being here, mate. You're a freaking legend. Thanks for having me. I had a wonderful time. Yeah, really it was awesome, mate. Yeah, no, it was great um, chatting, chatting shop, and chatting shit with you, mate. I think we had some pretty good perspectives on uh, all things video gaming, and uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure, mate. Hopefully, have have you on again soon, mate. That'd be great. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, fucking excellent. Um, all right, for those at home listening, you can find this podcast on any of your favorite platforms. Uh, just type in Oceanic Gaming Radio. Go and hit us with a big five-star review. We'd appreciate it. Uh, you can find all of our other links on OGR.show. That includes our Twitch link, uh, our Twitter link if you want to vote in our polls. 
Uh, and even our Discord link, if you want to come and say g'day in the uh, in the chat there, uh, tell us what you think about some uh, about Starfield uh, uh, or what you don't think. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's about it, really. I think that's all of our links. Uh, other than that, if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash OGI show and you too can be spending money on us. Um, what a privilege. Uh, but yeah, anyways, we'll see you guys next week on Monday. Thank you for being here. Again, don't forget to drop a hot review on uh, your favorite podcasting platform. And uh, yeah, see you on the flippy floppy. Wow. <laughs>